Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily but not quite daily Marlins podcast from me, Peter Pratt. Hope everyone's doing well. It is Thursday's edition and I am delighted to bring on pretty much the sexiest guy alive. Definitely the sexiest guy in fish stripes by all accounts as they they marketed him in uh, Marlins Twitter madness. He needs no further induction apart, apart from that. Isaac Azut is in the house. Isaac, welcome to Locked On Marlins. How are we doing, brother? Hey, Peter. We're doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to doing this with you. And hey, like, good game on the March Twitter bracket, man. That was a, that was a humbling experience going up against you, no doubt. hundred uh, percent. It was, it was a lot of fun, that whole brackets thing, considering there was nothing else going on and everyone's, it got everyone's juices flowing for sure. Um, so yeah, and, you know, just a reminder, this is part of the, you know, I guess a spinoff of that bracket series. Uh, my plan is on Locked On to have a conversation with everyone that I faced off against. So Kev was on uh, last mm-hmm. week. Isaac now joining me and a few others uh, queued up as well in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, listen, let, you know, let's kind of, we're, we're going to spend some time on a few, I think, very interesting topics. Uh, the reality is uh, the first topic we have to discuss is, well, I didn't give you a full intro. I didn't give you the, the current <laughs> Fish Stripes Jeopardy King as well. Finally, you get a double. Oh. Daniel yeah. Alvarez was moved out the way. Danny's gone. Yeah. Isaac steps in. How long is this streak going to go? I mean, Danny had five. Are you, yeah. are you going past five? It, it was, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, because like Danny, he went on an insane run winning five yeah. straight. And so we, the agreement was that Eli said, like, you know, anyone that wins five straight, you're going to be politely booted off. <laughs> and so I, I would have liked to be Daniel, not to say that, you know, the people I did beat aren't very impressive, but I would have liked to be Daniel. But mm-hmm. I plan on winning four in a row, four more in a row to hopefully be kicked then, off as well. That's the that's the plan. And you're retired then into what the Fish Stripes Jeopardy Maybe Hall of Fame. I, that's the hope just like they do in real jeopardy they, after you win three you get you know booted into the hall of fame so hopefully maybe if i win four maybe it'll help work out the questions or set up the board who knows whatever eli needs me to do love it i guess one of the topical things listen this this pod it's not a trick it's, it's not the easiest time for us in in i guess the media the podcasting world you know that we that we both do um it isn't easy because the lockout has effectively ended all of baseball news uh, yeah. But there has been some news this week, specifically mm-hmm. speaking about Hall of Fames, and the uh, the ballots were were released, and effectively, Big Papi, the only guy into the Hall this year, um, reaction on Big Papi getting in, but also, listen, the big major story out the back of this was was Barry Bonds uh, not getting in, and that is the end at the moment of his run for the Hall of Fame. So Barry Bonds will not be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, big Papi in. Bonds out and forever potentially out. Reaction to those uh, major, major bombs. Yeah, I mean, I think this just sort of like really enhances the inconsistencies in this voting process because, mm-hmm. you know, you have someone who, like David Ortiz who is deserving, don't get me wrong, at the age, 500 home run club, he did it. But, you know, you're going to have, and they're all linked to PEDs, which is just the inconsistent part. You know, they're all linked mm-hmm. to the performance enhancing drugs. And for Ortiz to be... Um, he got in in his first ballot and Bonds and Clemens get kicked off in their 10th. So that was a little bit, I was really surprised, man. It doesn't make sense in any way, shape or form. There are some other arguments about guys like Sosa. I personally wouldn't have voted for Sosa. I know Jeremy Tache is going to beat me with a shuffle over that one. Yep. But um, I definitely, my ballot definitely had Bonds, Clemens and Ortiz as well. So that was a, it was a, little, a bit of a shocker, not totally surprising because the mm. private ballots were going to come out and they were going to crush them in the percentages. So we're going to have to see how this goes in the future because it's very interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued to see whether, you know, any, the clamor for this one 
And maybe after now Bonds hasn't got in, uh, that yeah. kind of is the trigger to do something different. And listen, I've got to call it out. I'm not a big Hall of Fame guy. I haven't followed the game for long enough to be fully invested into this kind of process. But listen, Barry Bonds for me is one of the best baseball players there's ever been, irrespective of 100%. PEDs and whatnot. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. If he mm-hmm. isn't for me the Hall of Fame, it's it's basically meaningless in many ways. Like it's it it's slandered. I don't know. Um, there's a big problem. And so hopefully they change things or hopefully they find a way to... Uh, do it. I did see someone mention to say, wouldn't it be great if the Giants um, actually added him to the roster and he came, came and had an at-bat and actually that then started another 10-year cycle for him, uh, perhaps, <laughs> which I thought was an interesting idea. You know what? Um, he'd, he'd probably go yard. Honestly. He probably would. He, he probably would. No, last time I saw him was in 2016 when he was a hitting coach and you, you looked like he could still hit the ball. So sure, but yeah, sure. no, I, I think what this ballot did more than any other year was really, like you said, it really did delegitimize the whole hall of fame in a, in a way, mm. because like you said, how are you going to not have the best home run hitter of all time in the hall of fame, mm. the all-time leader in Cy Young's not in the hall of fame, the all-time hit leader, which is a different story, but all those guys not in the museum of the baseball world, which is peculiar to say the least. Doesn't make sense. It almost feels like they should be automatically entered if they yes. have if they hold a record or have held right. one at mm-hmm. some stage. I mean, maybe that's how you get around this. You just go, actually, do you know what? If you are a current or have held a major record, yeah, you're automatically in because you're part of history. Your name will yeah. always be part of baseball because of that record. I don't know. Listen, I don't want to take this into the Hall of Fame because it is not right. a specialist area. I'm, I'm Anthony Badowski has this covered, I'm sure. So yeah, get some big hall talk going. Um, Okay, cool. Let's get into some Marlins action. Um, actually, one thing before we, we get into that, the other news that's happened this week, the CBA discussions seemingly have picked up pace. So um, I guess based on what you've taken away, what's the confidence levels that you'd be having on booking tickets for opening day on specifically opening day as planned? For opening day, which I believe is scheduled for April 1st, I asked you know our, our good, great friend Eli Sussman about this, and he's, he chucked it up to a coin flip. I would be right now a little bit more optimistic. I'll give you maybe a 70% chance I'd be buying my ticket for that day. Mm. I think we're for sure going to start major league spring training late. That's for sure, unfortunately. But I think they need they need at least three weeks before opening day of like, you know, training, going to Jupiter, going to Arizona to prepare for the season. So I think if they're able to come to an agreement before, let's say the first week of March, you might have a chance, but it's gonna be very tough. But the, there is good news. They're having meetings. They're more than seven minutes long. They're having two hour meetings <laughs> on back-to-back days. And yeah. that really is, you know, it's good because in the past, they've really been so far away from each other. They still are away from each other. And some numbers that mm-hmm. I've read, they're, they're really, they're like, I think $90 million away from uh, what they want to give um, first yeah. rookie players at the third year players. So, but I think they should be, should be fine. I would give a 70% chance that we're here on opening day on April 1st. Yeah, i I was a total pessimist. I thought this was yeah. it. I thought this was a real, going to be a real problem, real problem. And actually, I think the major thing that I took away from this week's was there's some agreement, and equally the the players in particular have taken some things off the table yeah. quite early, actually, quite early yeah. in this process. And I thought they would hold on longer for some of these things around control. And I think they've actually just kind of submitted that and gone. Do you know what? it's going to be a hurdle too big for now. And so let's kind of move on. 
Um, yeah, I think so, they sort of. I think they sort of knew that going into that, that was going to be like unreasonable for them to expect from the owners that they were never mm-hmm. going to go for that. So that was good that they dropped that right away. That was yeah. very good to see because you know the players could be very stubborn as well. Mm-hmm. And so that was a that was a big that was a big focal point of the discussions for sure. Yeah, was and I did like the the suggestion. There's this kind of agreement. You, you're right that the dollar amount is uh, way off right now, but the actual uh, premise of what they're they're debating now or negotiating will be league minimum guys that are performing way above that and are probably like top 30 players overall and effectively a a pool of money to support them financially and reward them i think is the right, right. way of describing it it makes total sense like you know trevor rogers right he would be yeah. a big be- benefactor of that new agreement for sure exactly i'm expecting jazz as well we'll tap into that too um you know after his 2022 season for sure but yeah i'm 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 feeling more positive vibes and uh yeah i i think your your assessment is probably based on what we know now feels like a good one spring training maybe shortened slightly starts a bit late but opening day maybe just rolls on as planned um, maybe spring training was too long anyway i always felt like it dragged maybe a week too long so yeah, I agree. Because by the fourth week, you know, you're, you're seeing guys who you're never going to see again uh, yeah. playing. And, you know, it really is tough. And they're all day games. So it's tough. And then to just go straight from one o'clock games for a month long to all 7, 10 p.m. games, hmm. it's a tough transition. So I think, you know, they could have shortened spring training anyway. But the good news is that minor league spring training will be going on as normal. So that'll I'll have something to cover, luckily. There you go. That's true. And listen, you can't on this show with this host in particular, you cannot knock 1 p.m. games. It's not, <laughs> it's right, not allowed. Right. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday games are your best friend. Uh, if the offense is there, which it never oh, was last year, but never. yeah, no, sun, and Andy. Sunday, Sunday pain. But anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> let's get into some Marlins talk. And I think Isaac really, for me, you know, let's, Take stock. I think that's what I want to do with this conversation is just take stock of what was done, but really kind of look forward to the holes that need filling still. Like I, I loved what Kim and the Marlins did pre-lockout and I get your take on it. You've probably shared it elsewhere, but nevertheless, get your take and summary on that. Equally, what's left to fill? How do we fill it? And then try and put some names into these uh, spots and uh, see how things go. So just summarize for me, pre-lockout activity for the Marlins, just how good you felt that was for them. You know, it was really encouraging to read that piece by Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald to see that they are, they seem to be very adamant in adding another offensive bat and not just like, you know, a defensive special like Ramon Lariano, for example, they want to add an offensive impact bat. Mm. And I think that's exactly what, that's the only hole they have left, you know, pre lockout signing Sandy to that bargain of a deal. Phenomenal job by Kim Ang, Avi Garcia, maybe one year too much, but you know what? You have this guy who lives in Miami. He wants to be here. Avi Garcia is going to play 140 games for you in right field, maybe center field too. Who knows, depending on where they go. It's going to be scary, but (laughs) I think she did a great job. The Jacob Stallings trade, I loved it. You know, you gave up Connor Scott, the first ever pick by the new regime. That was tough, but you gave up Kyle Nicholas, another starting pitching prospect, and you gave up Zach Thompson. But in return, you get a gold glove, platinum glove uh, caliber catcher behind the dish that'll just only enhance. You're already incredibly talented starting rotation. So I think she's done a great job. This offseason, as long as she knows that there is still one to, two, one to three more moves left, including bullpen moves. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'd like to ask you about Avi Garcia, though, because I felt like he's a little bit underrated. Is he underrated as a player? Like, he's got some serious pop, and I think pop that will play in Lone Depot. Um, yeah. Is he going to surprise a few this year? 
He has serious pop. I think Kevin, you know, Kevin Brawl and I described it perfectly. Of all the free agent outfielders and of all the outfielder targets that were available, he was the best one of the second tier. Mm-hmm. So I think he could surprise a lot of guys. I think he's going to hit, you know, 20, at least 20, 25 home runs. Yeah. We'll just have to see the contact because he is coming from playing in Milwaukee. He's coming from playing in Tampa where it's a very hitter friendly environment. I think Lone Depot might shock him a little bit, but he has shown no problem hitting the ball out. I know there's a video of him with Tampa hitting one 900 feet to dead center field. Yeah. He goes off Philip Smith. Um, so I think he's going to be a, a pivotal part of that, you know, number four spot of the lineup. I think he's going to take Adam Duvall's spot where he was in the beginning of the 21 season and just mm. play there all year long for the, at least the next two or three years. Yeah, you've, you've just, I've just had a flashback as well, thinking about home runs off Caleb Smith. I mean, boy, oh boy, Caleb so gives up some bombs, but some all of a sudden I've got that image just appeared of, of Monte Harrison in a simulated game yes. uh, in an empty Marlins park at the time, hitting a massive bomb on to that Caleb. With the, where the home plate umpire had the camera, right? Yeah, they exactly. Or the catcher did, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah but it, I think it was, I think it was Louis as the... It could have been Louis actually behind the the dish. I yeah, can't remember. Was, I think it, it was. was. So it either was. way, I, when I think of all of a sudden, Caleb Smith took me back to that bomb. And let's be honest, Monty Harrison and Caleb Smith, uh, you know, the careers have gone in interesting ways since that moment, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah you know, I, that was something I actually wanted to bring up. Like Monte, I was just looking at some highlights earlier, and just holy defensive specimen, like physical specimen, like defensively. Yeah. Wow, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember that catch yet in Philadelphia covered like a hundred feet of ground. It's just, it's just a shame. I would give him a chance. I know there's some like weird things going on off mm-hmm. the field. I don't know if they're going to bring him back, but I would like to see him in spring training and get a lot of at bats because the tools are there minus one. So I, I just want to see how it, how he would play out. I'm with you, man. I've always been a believer of Monte and I, I know you weren't covering the team as directly back in 2020, but I must say the zooms with Monte were always sensational as well. Like as a, as a personality that I found, you, you know, you've probably, um, got time with him as well, but he was just an electric character. The tools are insane. He looked like an amazing player. I know. It's just <sighs> contact's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a major problem. You know, let's leave it there. I, I'm with you. I, I, I do think that there is a major league baseball player in there somewhere, yeah. but I don't think that's going to be in Miami. Clearly something's gone on last year and you know, yeah. it's, it's going to be, he's going to be moved. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that one. So, um, okay, right. While I tell everyone about our first ad, I'll let you think about this. I'll let you think about who you think is likely to be starting opening day in center field for the Marlins. So I'll let you ponder on that a second. Okay. Um, but before we get there, I need to tell you guys about our good friends over at, at Built Bar, of course. Um, and it is the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. Hope you're sticking with them. I certainly am. It is the 27th of Jan, and I have still not had any booze. And I've still been exercising. Crazy, I know. No red wine for Pete Pratt. Insane. Anyway, if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar, but tastes like a candy bar. Maybe even better than a candy bar. Big call. It helps you stick to your resolution because it tastes good. You'll want to eat them. Unlike other protein bars that could be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. <laughs> boy, oh boy, does not sound good. So many flavors from, for you to choose from. Coconut almonds, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salty caramel, milk brownie, so, so many. Get yourselves over to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. It's LOCKED15. Get 15% off, or, off your order at built.com. 
Right, Isaac. Center field. Center field, buddy. Who All is right. going to be what? positioned there on opening day? Give it to me. Come on. The, the opening day lineup, center fielder. It's not going to be the sexiest of names. We just Uh-oh. discussed them. The center fielder is going to be Avisail Garcia. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I'm going to have – is Jesus Sanchez in right field then? Jesus Sanchez – is an interesting defender. I think he has the tools to be a great defender, but I think he just needs a little more reps. I think he'll be in right field. Okay. And if I just have a feeling that they, they might go the Kyle Schwarber route. I think they loved what they saw from him against Miami this year, especially mm. that national series where he hit, I think it was three home runs in two games. Yeah. Um, I see them going really offensive centric and it's really encouraging that they're willing to sacrifice some defense in order to sign someone like Schwarber. A lot of balls are going to drop in that outfield. A lot of balls. There's, <laughs> there's no Marte. There's no Monte. There's no Brinson. But you do have Jesus who can cover some ground. Obviously, is a somewhat athletic big guy, you know, and Schorber. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just hope they don't hit the ball to left field that much. But I think if they sign either him or Castellanos or someone like that, Garcia is going to be the guy in center field. So that would be my answer. Okay. Okay. Garcia in center field. Schwarber in, in left. And listen, I, I think, well, Here's a question for you then. I know you mentioned that you felt like Avi was the best of tier two. Yeah. Let's describe as. Was Schwarber also in that tier? Is he a tier two option for you or is he a bottom end tier one he was, option? He was he was actually a bottom end tier one option. Oh, okay. I, okay. I, he is just one of the one of the better pure power hitters mm-hmm. that I've seen you know, since he was with the Cubs. I've really liked what I've seen from him forever. And if you ever need a catcher, you can maybe squat out and catch a couple innings for you. So oh that's, boy. That's, no, hopefully not. But uh, no, I've, I've always liked his swing since he homered off Urania night or no, it was off Tehran Guerrero on opening day in Miami in 2018. I just love the swing. I think Jeter and company might, might entertain the idea of him playing left field. The funny thing is with him and I, I, I'm with you that the interest is there. I can see the fit. The fit to me feels right. The, the ask financially and length, I mm-hmm. think feels like a good fit too. I, I think pretty much what you offered Starling Marte, that yeah. money, yeah, I repackage that in some sort of way. And I think that's enough to secure Carl Schwab. Honestly, I do. Um, I, I think it would be a, th- it would be around a three-year deal. Three. Where, I think so. Yeah. And, I and think I he'd be happy with that too. Yeah, for sure. You know, that'd be uh, his biggest contract. I think it'd be over three years, maybe 40, 50. And then that would be the most money this, this ownership group has ever spent in an off season by far. I think it already have, um, committed as so much more money than they ever have. So it's a, yeah, for sure. it shows that Jeter means business. This is his final year of his contract as CEO. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, Oh boy. That's there's, there's a big one. I think they are very adamant about contending this year and at least they're realistic because they know that they need more pieces and that's really good to see. Yeah. Tell me then, uh, let's say Schwarber is there and uh, it's, the, it's the outfield you've described, plus the sexy starting pitch in the rotation we know, plus the other pieces knocking around. Listen, is this going to be enough to get the fans out? Is, are you going to see the fans? Uh-oh, Isaac shaking his head. Uh-oh. You know what? The, what, no, I look no back on is, what I look back on is Stanton was chasing 60. Um, Miami was single digits games away from a playoff spot, and the fans weren't there. 2016, Jose was pitching every fifth day. Stanton was that, that was a bit of a down year for him, but Miami was really into it. In, in it, they traded for Fernando Rodney for Chris Paddock, which is Oive. But even when in their best, the fans just fail to come out when it becomes football season. So I think in April and May they will come out, but they will have to compete with the Miami Heat, who are number one in the conference right now. So that's gonna be. It's always tough. I always like sort of deep down root against the Heat, just so you know the fans just give all their attention to Miami. Yeah, I don't, I'll probably get some backlash for for saying that, 
But, you know, in the dog days of summer of June, July, August, they, the air conditioning should help, but it hasn't in the past. I, I can't tell you why, but it, I, I think in Miami is there 15 games, 20 games over 500, which is a pipe dream, but they, it is possible then I think the fans will show up more than they have in the past because this is the year where, hey, we're showing, we're giving our ace money, we're giving our starting right fielder money, we yeah. traded for a gold glove catcher. They're showing the fans that, hey, we mean business. So I think the fans will come out a little bit more than they have before, but I wouldn't expect a single sellout all year. Wow. If they get to the postseason, would that uh, sell out? Yeah. If not a sellout of 36,000, at least 30,000. A lot of people will show up, including, I'm going to bring my entire group of any of fans and friends of uh, family and friends i'm sorry uh, that better be close to a sellout if a postseason game were to occur well i've already I'm, i've booked it now i've already got 100 tickets bought for me because i'm all in <laughs> if they're in the postseason this season for sure i'm over and i'm going to be booking out anything if there's a cabana to be had i'm going to be hosting yeah. it and saying it's free cocktails for everyone you can book <laughs> oh, yeah. it now book I'll it now that with you too i was ready to go to texas last year to arlington um if Miami had been Atlanta, the division series. And I told my dad, we're going to go, we're going to go, but yeah. not even close. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> An uphill task. I think that's a conversation for another day is the state of this, uh, this NL East, but yeah, yeah. for this one, we'll, <clears throat> we'll keep it rolling. I think it's, it's a question. Uh, listen, I don't live in Florida. I don't live anywhere near Miami. Clearly it's hard for me to get my head around the fact that the attendances are just, have been so poor. I've just, I, yeah. I struggle to wrap my head around it for a team. Um, that I get so excited about for sure. Um, but I, I do feel like at least showing willing on the financial side will help. But like mm-hmm. you, I, I, I was concerned. I was concerned last year that like an Eddie Cabrera, our top prospect, and basically there was like 2,000 people there to see that game. It was like dead. And it shocked oh, me. I, I, totally I covered did. that game. I covered that game. And oh my goodness, you would have no idea that a top 50 prospect in Major League Baseball was making his debut. It was really yeah. sad. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, the next question I'm going to ask you is going to be who will have the most saves for the Marlins this year? They may not be on the roster right now because, listen, I I do believe the bullpen needs one, if not two, back-end dudes added to it. And Kim's called it out to say that she purposefully, they haven't addressed this yet. They were focused elsewhere. They've still got work to do, as we know. They need one more big bat. But I do think if they do get that one big bat, whether it's Schwarber or anything else, that then turns their attention to the other obvious need of a ninth inning guy, eighth inning, something, you know, something back there that is reliable, basically an Anthony Bass, but you right. know, maybe a tier above, let's say. Um, yeah. So I'll let you dwell on that one one sec. Before we do that, it's time to tell you about, well, our other good friends over at Bet Online. So Bet Online AG. Want to wish you a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 22. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50%, it's 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, write your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 22. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And of course, bet online where the game starts. Okay, Isaac, where is the game going to start for the Marlins then with their save leader? Who are you throwing out there? Well, just saves is such a, like a vol, you know, the, whoever's going to be closer, <laughs> it's just a volatile position. It's going to be a revolving door, it seems like. But someone that I do mm-hmm. think Miami 
it would behoove Miami to bring in that would get that would pitch very valuable innings that has a personality is Joe Kelly. Mm-hmm. I, I like he's got the stuff. He's pitched in postseason games very recently. And he just has that personality that if he were needed, if he were to be called upon to close, I think he'd do a, a pretty swell job. So I think that's someone that could pitch valuable innings in a Miami's bullpen this year if they were to go out and sign him. But in-house right now, ugh, there's not many pretty options. Obviously, Anthony Bender is a man who comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And I think in spring training, he's going to get, you know, obviously the closers, they never have them close the spring training games. They have them pitched in the second or third inning against a major league regular. So I'd like to see Bender get those type of innings in spring training to see how he fares. Yeah, me too. Love Anthony Bender, friend of the show on Fish Across the Pond as well. And, Very nice um, guy. You know, top dude for sure. And one of the best stories of 2021. I mean, it was, there was a lot of bad stories from 21, but Anthony Bender was, was one of the better ones for sure. And just, a, you know, appeared from nowhere. And I'm, I'm with you. There's, it is there. I, you know, surprisingly, I guess it, it seems like it's there. He's got the two pitches that work together nicely that can get out. And that's what you're looking for, for sure. I, I do think <clears throat> my gut feel is that they make a move or two yeah. splashy ones. I think they will sign someone. I think they will sign and put some money there at, you know, a tier above like the kind of bass deal. I think they'll shop at a tier above that. Maybe, or perhaps a Joe Kelly. I'm not convinced on the, there was talks about Kelly Jansen. What about you for Jansen with a fit for the uh, Marlins? I would be down. Uh, that was yeah, you happy I, with that. Yeah. I asked Craig about that. Not to give him crazy money. I know he, I think he's coming off that five year, $80 million or something like that with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. That was the year that a role Chapman was also on the market. And I know Loria won. It was considering either one of them. So I did ask Craig about that. He hadn't heard anything regarding that front, but I, Kenley Jansen, he has as much experience closing games as anyone in baseball right now. So that is someone I would welcome with open arms for sure. And I know Kevin's going to be so happy that I mentioned this name, Andrew Chafin. I think that lefty would be, would be a nice addition as well. I love Richard Blyers. He's one of the best personalities on the team and he really pitches. He pitched really well since coming over in 2020 when everyone got COVID. So I think they, they would really solidify the bullpen with two to three more guys, I think. Yeah, for sure. The, the guy I'm intrigued about as well is uh, Lewis Head, obviously acquired from, yeah. from the Rays and, you know, they, about they just, they, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, clearly we haven't really seen him yet, obviously, um, as a Marlin, of course, but um, uh, he did a real nice job with the Rays. And I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he ended up in in relatively high leverage spots too. It, it really wouldn't. I mean, Dylan Floro did well too um, back oh, there at yeah. times. Um, you know, it was just looking back in on the season itself, it was just disappointing that in the early part of the year when you know, they were all in still, there was just too many problems back there and I know the injuries hit too at different times but in general the bullpen really just creaked very early like it was you know early on it was blowing and we were like this is not this is a problem already it was it was almost worst case scenario because you know they started with bass and almost Mm. instantly he you know he just showed he's not going to be able to do this and you you go off you go with Yimi and him coming off an impeccable 2020 season he had with Miami, holy cow, you think, okay, he, he's someone that can shut the door. And that was a disaster. Uh, I just can't help but remember that game in Atlanta when they were up by five in the ninth and they blow that game. And that ruined my night, I remember. Yeah. But yeah, that was just worst case scenario. Two main guys, they both um, fumble. So I think Floro and a guy like Joe Kelly would be, would be guys that would get most of the saves in 2022. Hopefully yeah. it's not Floro. I think Floro is a perfect eighth inning guy. Me too. Fast. Bass and head, seventh inning, Blyer, lefty specialist, even though with that three batter rule. 
Mm. But I think uh, a guy like Kelly and a guy like Floro would be headlining the ninth, unless it's Kenley Jansen. Yeah. Or Anthony Bender, of course, if he... Uh, or says... Anthony Bender. It's not in a horrible situation, the, the bullpen. As, as I've said on Fish Stripes, I don't think the bullpen is in that bad of a situation, but it can definitely get a lot better. It definitely could. I'd like to see them invest something into that yeah. for sure and you know make a splash. Um, it was tough. It is tough, the bullpen. It's so volatile, as you mentioned. And, yeah. you know, it is... You've got to tread with caution there. But I think there are pieces there that can help us. So I'd like to see them do something there. The Joe Kelly name, I think, is is intriguing. Uh, Jansen is intriguing, but at the right price and the right mm-hmm. contract length too. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, an, it'd be interesting. It'd be an interesting fit. One guy I didn't ask you about at the time I want to go back to actually is uh, Nick Castellanos. Um, obviously Barry Jackson article you mentioned earlier, again, was kind of talking about this Castellanos fit. Um, you mentioned Swarber uh, is the likely outcome. Would your preference be Nick Castellanos though? That's a tough one. Cause Castellanos yeah. command, uh, you know, it's not about the player. It's just about the situation that you'd be, you know, bringing in. Cassiano's another personality. He would command close to, you would assume, six, seven, eight years of mm-hmm. close to $100 million. So it's just, I would probably prefer the player of Castellanos. He's a, I think his offensive game would really translate well at Lone Depot. He's a gap-to-gap hitter. Remember when he hit a million doubles mm-hmm. when in the Cubs and the Tigers, I think it was. I think his game would translate really well. He's a better pure hitter probably than Schwarber. Both of them are not very good defensively, but I think mm. I would prefer Castellanos. It would just be tough. I don't know whether Bruce Sherman would want to really pay the man that much. They might get outbid, and I don't know if Castellanos will want to go from a very hitter-friendly park like Great American to Lone Depot where fly balls go to die. So that's <laughs> well, if that were an option, if I were given the two players, I would go Nick Castellanos. It's a tough one. It's a very good question. It is a tough one. I'm with you on that. Um, I'm not convinced that the fit is right there in terms of what Castellanos is seeking and what the, the Marlins are looking to offer right now. I'm, I'm happy to be surprised and shocked on that one, but I think with the, with the defense not playing, uh, it's a big investment, big investment for the Marlins. I think they need more of a more rounded player for that kind of investment, let's say. But no, nevertheless, I wanted to get your take on him. So listen, we're, we're sitting here now, end of Jan, feeling positive about the CBA. What's what's your general vibes for the Marlins now heading into 22? Just in general, how are you seeing the way the roster's shaping up? You know, the division's going to be tough. It's always tough in the East. It will forever be tough in the East. So yeah. how are you seeing things now, though, playing out? Well, the most erotic thing of, of all is the pitching, man. That rotation. Oh, erotic. Yeah, man. Like, you just look at the top three guys, and they all are Cy Young candidates, mm-hmm. you know, in Sandy, Pablo, and Trevor. And then your options for four or five are between four guys in Luzardo, Sixto, Edward, and Max Meyer. And you can choose any one of those guys for your fourth and fifth spots. You're in a, you're in a hell of a position. So I'm very excited about the starting rotation. Sixto, I'm going to calm my head a little bit. I, I think he's not going to make more than 10 starts this year, which is fine. You know, just let him get back. Let him get back to full strength. Hmm. Didn't look the best on his Instagram post. He looked a little bit uh, large. Round. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know why he would post that, but he did. But I am very excited. And I think if the rotation holds up, which I, you know, there's no reason it shouldn't, you know, a guy like Sandy's going to throw 200 innings, Pablo, if he stays healthy, Trevor, I wanted to, I'm really um, curious to see how he does in his sophomore season. Hmm. But if that holds up and my, like a lot of things on offense would have to go really well, but I can see them finishing third in the middle of the middle of the pack of the division, you know, they're going to finish above Washington, probably New York. I know they're not, they have a hell of a ball club, but they, something always seems to happen to them. You know, Mm -hmm. they, Something always seems to bring them down. So agreed. And I think Miami is in a better position than Philadelphia in some ways. So I think Miami, the division is up for, up for grabs for Miami. 
I'm with you. I mean, I was I was high on the Marlins last season going into it, um, and it didn't quite work out. No. I do, I do still. The funny thing is, you reflect on that, and I still think that they had they had the tools to make it happen last year. You know, if the bullpen would have got off to a better start and the injuries wouldn't have hit, you know, they. I, I still like them. I still like the roster, but <clears throat> as soon as it went sideways, they had to cash in on some of these other dudes. But I'm, I'm equally as bullish on on the Marlins in 22, actually, I, I've, I've really liked what they've done. I think there's more to do. And I think we'll be excited heading to 22. I'm not excited whatsoever about the, the Nats, the Phillies as well. I, I really yeah. don't like their roster and the way it's constructed. Um, the Braves, listen, they're, they're World Series champs, but if Freddie Freeman isn't back, the hangover is real for me. Mm. Um, you know, that's interesting. The Mets, I guess, you know, become, if they don't Mets it, they've got a lot of talent. But, they, you know, we know, we know the culture of that that organization historically and there's, they yeah. usually find a way to make it yeah happen in a bad way so yeah i think it's a really intriguing division and equally I, i'm i'm 99% sure there's going to be an expanded uh, playoff opportunity as well which i think you know clearly as marlins fans helps us because we're not expecting to be blowing teams away in the division we're going to be scrapping um for sure so it yeah. gives us extra impetus too. Whether it's the eight of 20, uh, 2020, I don't think so. It feels like that felt too many. So maybe it's the seven. I think that's maybe a happy balance. Um, so yeah, that's going to be us today, guys, to, to wrap up on Lockdown Marlins. Uh, we are just slightly over time for today, but you know, had to be done. Isaac, welcome and thank you for the first appearance on Lockdown Marlins. It was a lot of fun talking with you. The current Jeopardy champ, the sexiest man alive, um, if anyone isn't following you, please let them know where they can follow you on Twitter just so they can connect as well. Well, thank you so much for the very kind words, Peter. I appreciate it. And just on Twitter, first and last name, Isaac Azud. I, uh, you know, obviously for Fish Stripes, we do everything we can to keep you guys posted with everything Marlins, everything CBA related. And right now, because of the lockout, we're having a lot of fun doing Jeopardy. Peter, we'd love to have you on as a, as a special guest. Oh boy. I mean, the standard has been set and I, I'm absolutely, <laughs> uh, I've fallen way below par. I mean, I'm going to need a specialist subject around Anthony Bass blown saves or something in that kind of area. We'll, we'll get you one. We'll get you one. <laughs> we'll get you a special Peter Pratt category. I need near term. I need more recent than, uh, than some historical, but absolutely. I love what you guys are doing. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, Eli's created something real special there. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a full pro- professional production now going on there. It's insane. Yeah. So. yeah. He's done an incredible job and, you know, just bringing fans to like, just want to come in. We have plenty of fans who want to come on and join and be participants, which is like the really like fun, humbling part that they really want to come. For sure. sure. There's something about sports and quizzes that get the juices flowing. You know? Oh yeah. I, I, I sweat when I, I guess, especially against Danny Alvarez, I was like so upset slamming my desk when he was buzzing (laughs) before me and he knows things that who the heck would know. Like, come on, but I know it's a lot of fun for sure. Insane. Good man, Isaac. Listen, appreciate you finding the time and great to talk and connect. Um, Guys, that is us done with Lockdown Marlins for today on Thursday's uh, edition. We are going to be back tomorrow, all being well. And it looks like a solo pod. So you've just got me and I'm going to be, I think, just wrapping up on on CBA related topics in terms of some of the, the outstanding points. So stay tuned for that one, guys. I know it's not the, the sexiest of subjects, but it is one of the key subjects right now. Um, Isaac, thanks again, buddy. And guys, back tomorrow.